Hello and welcome to Sonic Sketchbooks. I'm your host Gary Warner. Sonic Sketchbooks is an offering of sound art, art music and field recordings mostly drawn from my decades of using sound in art projects, film and video, performances, installations, public art and museum exhibitions. And the series is punctuated with conversations and interviews with colleagues and friends who also work in one or more of these sonic realms. On the morning of the 2nd of February 2021, a warm and humid summer day, I caught the light rail tram out to Arlington in Sydney's inner western suburbs and walked up to Dulwich Hill to the apartment of musician and composer Laura Altman to talk with her about her busy creative life with experimental music. Laura is a clarinetist and improviser who joyfully explores all the sonic possibilities of that 17th century instrument, the mainstay of classical orchestras and chamber ensembles. And she's a long-time active member of Sydney's fabled Splinter Orchestra and a musical collaborator in duos and trios with fellow improvisers such as accordionist and pianist Monica Brooks, Berlin-based pianist of the prepared piano Magda Myers, guitarist Nick Ashwood, saxophonist Peter Farrer, and the late Cor Fuller and many others. Laura also works to publish experimental music through the label Caterpillar, and is one of the organisers of the online information portal Emus Exploratory Music Sydney, a calendar and newsletter for improvised exploratory and experimental music and sound art in Sydney and surrounds. And you can find that excellent resource at emus.space. Information about the music that punctuates this edited interview is available in the track list in the podcast description. sound? That's a good question. I suppose where I first started considering sound as something to play with would have been probably with the Splinter Orchestra and uh, the community around those group of people. Um, I don't know how I sort of stumbled across this world, maybe through a jazz scene not that I was really a part of the jazz scene, but I was interested in, in music. I also was studying composition at the Con, um, or about to start composition at the Con. I was um, playing clarinet, and I, was, I had been learning uh, and, and playing classically. I guess when I sort of finished my school and my studies, there was something in me that rejected how I'd been playing the instrument. Um, I think I got really nervous as a performer playing compositions um, by other people that were very specific and I was more interested in arranging sounds and arranging music and, and composing so I kind of just put the clarinet aside and decided to 
um, pursue a path of uh, composition. And I guess, yeah, I guess it was through that that I became more curious about how to put sounds together and which ones you can put together <laughs> with, with which other ones. Questioning what composition could be, what, what could go into it, um, what could be included, where the edge of a composition is and um, the beginning of the world around the composition. interaction with the people in the Splinter Orchestra and in the Now Now community, which I also discovered at that point in time, um, really fed my ideas about, yeah, about what music could be. Um, like seeing people, other, other people explore with their instruments, it kind of gives, gives you ideas of possibilities. So there's an inspiration that comes from from watching other people explore. Then you take those ideas on and kind of make them really personal. You've been doing that for a long time now. Mm. And uh, in listening to your work, I mean, I've seen you play in gardens and, uh, you know, in, in, in rooms and uh, outdoors and mm. you've played in places like Mungo and um, it's a kind of decentralised and environmentally situated style of sound making. Yeah, I think playing in non-traditional performance spaces like outdoors or where it could be a gallery, it could be a hall somewhere, it could be a tunnel, <laughs> a bunker. Yeah, you get an incredible amount of influence from that space where, where you feel a silence as like an emptiness that needs to be filled. You realise that those spaces that you're in are actually offering so much sonically. So it does invite you to play with some sort of sensitivity to that space and what it's offering and in a sense it challenges the ego <laughs> like that you're not the only contributor is, is that a sensitivity you think that's developed through the sense of collectivity that splinter has where there's lots and lots of people you know varying numbers of people often a lot of people yeah and uh, it's a different type of performativity where you're not only contributing but you're constantly having to sort of listen and be in the space that others are creating sonically. Um, playing with the Splinter Orchestra and improvising in that way with other people as well has been really informative. It kind of just invites you to um, be very socially and 
physically aware of the space that you're in, of what's happening. I find that uh, I don't often have the opportunity to articulate <laughs> these things. My relationship with the clarinet is this very deeply personal, I suppose, when you mention breath, like to say anything or to do anything, you kind of are working with your breath <laughs> and to have the courage to kind of say something or put a sound out into the world, it kind of is connected to you. Yeah, I suppose like in terms of the techniques or the way that I'm using the clarinet, I can't really separate it out from my physical connection to it. Like it's not like I've thought about what this sound, what this uh, function on the instrument is going to do, what sound it's going to produce just on its own. Like it's connected to me doing it. I think most of the things that happen with me in the clarinet come out of improvised situations so being in a moment feeling what needs to happen and then kind of finding a way for that sound to happen <laughs> if that if that makes sense
Can we talk a little bit about you and Monica Brooks? Sure. Um, that was my first kind of collaboration, you know, beyond Splinter. And I think that our um, friendship has evolved over the years, and that's a really big part of the music as well. The way that we've uh, grown individually as musicians has, has changed the way that we've operated together as well. And I think when we first started playing, we both were very tentative, maybe more shy players where we'd sort of, yeah, be very sensitive about what the first sound was going to be. And um, well, it has a beautiful fragility to it, I think. Um, but it's interesting because I feel like over the last few years, we've maybe shifted a notch in how we, we, we both play in other projects and also together. So more recently we've been playing and it's kind of, um, there's been a little bit more confidence I mean, it does take quite a bit of confidence to be quiet. Sure. Uh, you know, to be confident enough to be quiet. Which recording did you listen to that as is? Is that that one? In that instance, I remember playing and you'd sort of make, you'd utter a sound, you'd make your sound and then you'd just get so much back from the space. It was so echoey and um, there was a, this is where the central building is now on Broadway. That's what was being constructed at the time, all that big development there. So so much information coming in, making these gentle offerings to the space is the way to, is the way to go.
so Nick Ashwood is a guitarist who until fairly recently was living um, based in Tasmania in Hobart and uh, he had been coming up to Sydney quite a bit to connect with the scene here and then I went down there for a weekend just to do recording in a whole lot of different places uh, and we did a studio recording but we also went to some of his favourite spots around Hobart. You're sort of driving down a relatively main road and there's a big hill up on the right hand side if you're travelling south and then you park the car and you walk up this hill and then suddenly there's this network of um, bunkers and tunnels and... You went to, to this sort of abandoned uh, architectural space yeah. with a lot of echoic or reverberant qualities. Mm. And uh, what did you take in there with you? Uh, I had my little current instrument set up which involves my clarinet and also some speakers and uh, cassette players that have a record function so they create feedback loops and Nick had his guitar and his various preparations and bows and we had two microphones and some objects. Yeah. So the three recordings that you published in, in Battery, mm. they were all made inside that space on the same afternoon. Yeah, like there was so much that the space offered us. You play for an hour and then you think about maybe we could do something different. Now that we're here and we can see the potential of the space. <laughs> so I'm interested to hear about the cassettes, the use of the cassettes. Do you incorporate that with the clarinet? There's two parts, I suppose, to my use of the cassette players. One of them is that with the particular speakers that I've got, there's a really warm, well, this particular Sony cassette dictaphone that I have, there's this particular few models of it that just create like a beautiful, warm feedback sound that really matches the clarinet. That's been really fun to, to play with because I'm always affecting what's going into the microphone, what's coming out of the speaker. So as I interact as a clarinet player, it changes. But the other, the other part of it is that I've been kind of recording what's happening. And occasionally those recordings appear. Sometimes I'll use those things and they're kind of, they're not random because I'm always aware of when I'm recording, but I'm never deliberate, not really deliberate about when I press record Depends on what else is happening with the other player or the space. And yeah, or sometimes I'll hit record, but I'll press pause on the cassette so that I'm not actually recording. I'm just opening the mic, but occasionally I'll flick off the pause and it'll actually roll. And so I'll be capturing something. And so those recordings sometimes appear when I'm playing and they've also appeared um, in more installation style mm. things like what Splinter Orchestra did with our Splint installations. So they're these sort of interesting documents of a whole series of different performances that I've been in. They feature my sounds, they feature other people's sounds, they feature environmental sounds, but I've got no idea <laughs> um, what's going to come up when. Actually, um, a lot of them are recordings over other things that I've done. So sometimes there are like little snippets of things from... 20 years ago <laughs> or oh. 15 years ago or last week or... I typed over that. Yeah, I typed over that.
Monica and I had our duo from 2007 or 8. And in 2009, Magda came over for the Now Now Festival, which was up in Wentworth Falls that year. And we were put together as a, as a trio that had never, never played together as a trio. And yeah, the group performed at the festival and it seemed to work. Like we hadn't played together ever, but there was something really complimentary about that grouping of musicians. So, yeah, we've had this really interesting decade plus of uh, collaborating where Magda comes here most years and we do recordings and gigs and there's been a few instances where Monica and I have been able to go over to Europe and do some pretty extensive tours and enormous festivals. It was never really fathomable for us, but we, we ended up playing Nikolsdorf this uh, Confrontationen Festival in 2011. A couple of really other really big festivals in Norway and Austria and France. Magda's approach to playing the piano is there's so much colour. There's so much scope for volume and uh, texture, you know, from the most kind of rich, rich sounds to the most delicate sounds. And Is it always prepared? It's always prepared, mm. yeah. She has her setup and she largely plays inside the piano, although she'll, she'll use the keys as well, but the sound of what she plays on the keys is affected by what's on, in, in the strings or on the strings. She is a very supportive musician to collaborate with because she is an, is an amazing musician. Like her, her listening, her ability to respond, to be sensitive, to move things is is there and so i've found her approach to playing really supportive and encouraging i always find a nice place to play within her playing (laughs) but but i think obviously we all affect each other i wish the listeners could see my hands moving (laughs) here (laughs) and just communicate mostly with gestures (laughs) i'm going to stop it there good I'd like to thank Laura for inviting me into her home to record this conversation and various of Laura's solo and collaborative works are available on Bandcamp and you can find out more at her website lauraaltman.net and more about Sydney's lively exploratory music and sound art scenes at emus.space. Finally, information about the Sonic Sketchbooks podcast can be found at sonicsketchbooks.net. The Sonic Sketchbooks podcast is supported by the New South Wales government through a small projects grant from Create New South Wales. 